we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio Network. I'm Walker Wildman. Glad to have you with us for the program today. We are under a week out from the election. We're six days out from the uh, next election. November 8th is the date. You need to put it on your calendar, mark it down on your sticky note in your kitchen or, you know, I could continue the analogies, but you get the point. <laughs> you need to vote on November 8th. That's coming up in under a week. Tuesday, November 8th is the day. iVoterGuide.com is the place to go to uh, find out all about the candidates on your ballot. If you go to iVoterGuide.com, key in your address, we will produce for you a personalized ballot over at iVoterGuide.com. And uh, you can print that off and take it with you, take a screenshot, bookmark the page, and take it with you in the ballot box. By the way, I don't know if you knew this, but, you know, when you go to vote, you walk in uh, to the polling location, and you feel like you're, you're back in high school or college, and you're taking an exam. You know, everybody's kind of standing in line. Um, they've got, um, you know, pencils and pens ready for you. And uh, one at a time, you get handed your ballot, uh, which feels like a test. And for years, uh, for the, for several years, I, I went into there, and I felt like I, I like if I pull my phone out or if I have a piece of paper with me, I'm cheating. Like, I can't do that. And I started to think about it, and I was like, "Why am I why, like Why am I treating this like I'm in high school taking an exam again?" But did you know that that you can like pull up the iVoter Guide while you're in the the polling booth? You can um, take a, a print off a personalized ballot sheet of paper with you, and you can carry that in with you to vote. Uh, so. Uh, just uh, debunking a uh, a uh, myth that maybe I'm the only one in the country that you know feels that way when you walk in. But FYI, you can take your phone into the booth with you. You can take any kind of materials, supporting research materials with you. Whatever you need to make an informed vote, you can take that information in with you to the polling place and um, and use it to vote. You can use all that information in real time to vote. So if you print off your personalized ballot, you want to go ahead and decide who you're voting for, maybe highlight them or circle them on a sheet of paper, you can carry that in with you and copy it over to your ballot. Uh, at least that's uh, that's allowed here in Mississippi and various states around the nation. iVoterGuide.com is that URL. Well, here's our scripture for the week. We're in Psalm chapter 46. David says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble 
and it's at its swelling. So that's uh, Psalm chapter 46, verse 1 through 3. David says, God is our refuge. He is our strength. He is a very present help in trouble. Well, moving into uh, the show for today, some of the content, we are going to have some special guests with us. Uh, my brother Wesley will be in, be in with us next segment. Wesley Wildman, my brother, will be in with us as he is each Wednesday. Uh, he'll be in with us next segment. And then we'll also have uh, Sam Adolfson, uh, Sam Adolfson with uh, Foundation for Government Accountability. He's the director there, Foundation for Government Accountability. And uh, we'll be talking about uh, Medicaid expansion and uh, Biden's plans there. We've got an action alert uh, over at AFA Action that we're working on that we'll cue you uh, up to as well uh, on that topic. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that in the second and third segment. Well, uh, yesterday I mentioned the the um, um, Paul Pelosi attack um, assault in uh, San Francisco at their home there. And before I get to that topic, I do need to mention something that I uh, said I would mention, and that is our uh, Samaritan's Purse Operation Christmas Child project that we're working on now in partnership with Samaritan's Purse. Uh, we are uh, in the midst of of uh, gathering shoeboxes, making shoeboxes. That's going on until uh, November 21st. Uh, National Collection Week is um, November 14 through 21. So that'll be National Collection Week, November 14 through 21. But now's the time to pack the shoebox. Now's the time to pack and prep the shoebox. If you need any information about that project, you can go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. SamaritansPurse.org forward slash OCC to learn more, find a drop-off location near you. Uh, many of the drop-off locations are participating churches uh, in your region. So that's SamaritansPurse.org forward slash OCC. Find out more about our uh, partnership with Operation Christmas Child. And uh, National Collection Week for the shoeboxes will be November 14th through 21st. Well, uh, back in into some of the show topics. Uh, yesterday I talked about the uh, Paul Pelosi assault in San Francisco, and there's still a lot of questions about, you know, what happened that night, how it all went down. Um, immediately, um, immediately following the the police report, the assault, so on and so forth, uh, many in the media and, and many Democrat operatives, including Hillary Clinton and others, uh, immediately began uh, attributing and, and blaming the Republicans. They immediately began blaming conservatives for a home invasion and assault that happened in San Francisco. And they did so with little to no evidence to attribute the assault on conservatives. But this is what they do. They get out ahead of their skis and they push propaganda and narratives that are completely unsupported by the facts. And I talked to you Monday about how there is little evidence uh, that, that, that insinuates that this uh, fellow who has now been indicted, or at least charged, um, there's little evidence that he's a MAGA extremist or a MAGA Republican, whatever that is, by the way. 
Um, there's actually more evidence that this guy's a left-wing hippie in San Francisco. Why on earth he went to Paul Pelosi's house, uh, the home of Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker? I have no idea. He apparently went there to uh, do harm, but uh, the the motive is still very unclear. So we definitively cannot attribute this um, to conservatives or Republicans, et cetera, et cetera. And by the way, by the way, for for the sake of argument, even if his even if he was politically motivated by his dislike for Nancy Pelosi politically, you still can't tie that to the Republican Party and conservatives. Why? Because we're not the party of violence. We're not the party of Antifa. We're not the party of high crime areas like San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York City, etc., etc. Conservatives are the party of law and order, lock up the criminals, zero tolerance for crime. That's the party of the conservatives. So to insinuate that conservatives and Republicans are for violence and anarchy and all this garbage, completely unproven, completely unsupported by the facts. But I found it interesting um, that uh, I'm not the only one thinking along these lines. Uh, Tucker Carlson, in about 46 seconds, 43 seconds, completely debunks this a narrative that the attack on Paul Pelosi had anything to do with conservatives or Republicans or Trump supporters. Clip one, let's listen. The unsurprising thing about David DePappi, he's also an illegal alien. Today, Fox's Bill Malugin learned that DePappi, who was originally from Canada, has long overstayed his visa. So he is currently in this country illegally. So to restate the perpetrator in this violent crime against Paul Pelosi is a mentally ill, drug-addicted, illegal alien nudist who takes hallucinogens and lives in a hippie school bus in Berkeley with a BLM banner and a pride flag out front. So take those uncontested facts and let them rattle around your brain for a moment until a recognizable pattern emerges. What does this sound like to you? If you guessed this is obviously a textbook case of homegrown right-wing extremism, well then obviously you've been watching a lot of cable news today. There you have it. The, the big lie debunked in about 43 seconds. Another interesting fact about this, and we'll find out more. Um, I, I, I have no problem denouncing the violence, denouncing the, uh, the crime um, against Paul Pelosi, but we're not going to try to act like this is some kind of conservative thing. We're not going to try to act like this is some kind of conservative thing, con uh, Republican-motivated, et cetera, et cetera. Because there's crimes every day, folks. There's murders every day in Chicago. There's murders every day in San Francisco. They don't get near this media coverage, no, because we can't use it for political purposes. So I don't think the Paul Pelosi story deserves an ounce more coverage than the shootings of little kids in Chicago on the weekend which gets little to no national coverage. Where is Hillary Clinton and Jimmy Kimmel on that? Well, it doesn't fit the political narrative, so we're not going to talk about it. But I did come across this uh, level of incompetence like we've seen before. You know, the U.S. Capitol Police, they've got field offices now around the nation. I have no idea why they do. Or, well, I know why they do, but I have no idea why, under what authority, the U.S. Capitol Police in Washington, D.C., 
can set up field offices outside of their jurisdiction. <laughs> but the Capitol Police, remember, Nancy Pelosi is the number three official in the, in the land. She's the number three on the chain of command or the secession plan. She's number three. And there was zero security at her house, so we're told. Number three. Like, you and I probably have more security at our house than she did that night. U.S. Capitol Police officers weren't watching. This is a headline. U.S. Capitol Police officers weren't watching live home security cameras when Paul Pelosi was attacked. So, so we've authorized millions, if not billions, to support American officials, both at home and abroad, including the setting up of surveillance video set up by our very own Capitol Police, you know, the ones that were protecting the Capitol on January 6th. But I'll be, what's the saying? I'll be John Brown. Nobody was watching them this night. They were, I guess they were out at the diner or grabbing some donuts and coffee, you know, the stereotypical police officer. Or her designer ice cream. Are going to pick up Pelosi's ice cream to fill the freezer. So, so we've got surveillance footage on premise and nobody was watching it. Nobody was watching it. And do we have recordings of it? I don't know. That's a key unanswered question. Where's the body cam footage? You know, because if, if this is George Floyd or Michael Brown, you better bet we're getting that body cam footage and we're going to get it fast. Otherwise, there's a cover-up, right? We need the body cam footage yesterday. No body cam footage yet. No body cam footage yet. By the way, the perpetrator is contesting all the charges. The perpetrator, according to his attorney, has pled not guilty to all six state charges. Found that interesting. We'll continue to monitor it and see where it goes. But any insinuation that this has anything to do with conservatives or Republicans or Trump supporters is completely unfounded and 100% politically motivated propaganda brought to you by the same liars that have been around for years. AFA at the core. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Investigative journalist and ABC producer James Gordon Meek had his apartment raided by the FBI on the morning of April 27th. He hasn't been seen publicly since then. After that morning, Meek vacated the apartment, which he'd rented the last 10 years, resigned from his job at ABC, and withdrew from a book project concerning the Afghanistan withdrawal, a project he'd previously promoted on social media. Meek, a journalist known for exposing government corruption, vanishes just before his Afghanistan book comes out. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Don't tell me to relax, Mom. I'll relax when I'm in the grave. Today's girls experience the pressure to succeed far surpassing what generations before reported. Lateral comparisons push the need to excel and accomplish in every area of their lives. This pressure will either burn her out or cause apathy for any forward movement at all. I've heard it said that a satisfied life is better than a successful life. While our success is measured by others, our satisfaction happens at the soul level. For the godly girl, Psalm 1715b says she is satisfied just to be face to face with the Lord. Guide your girl to daily time in prayer and taking in God's word to regularly grow her soul satisfaction in the Lord. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Stand in front of the mirror But I don't like who's looking back at me Wish I could see things clearer Or like who I'm supposed to be In every trial, lift me higher Through the fire, hold me tighter Remind me again that I was made for more Welcome back to the core. That song there is Who I Am by Ben Fuller. And uh, if you don't think worship is a part of the Christian life, well, you just haven't read the entire scripture because you look throughout both the First Testament and the Second or the Old Testament and the 
new. Uh, there's case after case of the Lord instructing us to worship him, to bow down before him, and to do so through various means, one of them song. That's what you had there. Wesley's in studio with us. Hey, hey. Wesley, I don't even think I have to announce your last name because nope. it's the same as mine. No, you don't. It's not necessary. <laughs> you know, at this point, it's redundant. I'm a, yeah, I'm a regular guest <laughs> on Wednesdays. And people miss me when I'm not here. Yeah, you know, I get people ask about no me, question. and they don't doubt your last name. Yeah, they know no, your last name. No, I'm kidding. I don't get missed that much. Although I, I was, I did have a couple compliments uh, at our trip, walking out travel to go to Rogers, Arkansas. There we met with about a hundred of our uh, supporters and listeners there locally, and the Roger and, and Roger, Arkansas, and the surrounding areas. And people do there are uh, were encouraged for us to be, be, there, be there and meet them, but also with the work that we're doing here at AFA and AFR. And we got a long, long list of places that we are going in 2023 and 2024 leading up to the 2024 election. So you're going to want to follow those events. Again, we will not be announcing the locations and dates until a little, little bit closer to time but any events that we do, you can go to afa.net slash events. That's afa.net slash events. And there we update events as we have them scheduled and posted. So we're we're gearing up for that. Speaking about elections, yeah. we're going to do midterm election coverage live here on AFR. Also, they can uh, watch it where? They can watch it at streaming.afa.net. So not only can you watch AFA at the core right now on streaming.afa.net, but they can also, uh, on election night on November 8th at 6 p.m., they can go to streaming.afa.net and watch the live election coverage here at our headquarters on American Family Radio. And that you're going to want to do if you're anything like me, your ordinary follower out there of AFR, you're going to want to be able to tune in like I'm going to do to you can get the inside scoop on experts who follow that, who, who will be following the election and those that are running very, very closely. Do, you, do we have guests already lined yeah. up for that? Yeah, so so just to get folks a backgrounder here, on a Tuesday, um, Tuesday evening, this upcoming Tuesday, November 8th, uh, we're going to have my dad, Tim Wildman, Ed Vitagliano, Fred Jackson and myself. And those aren't the experts I was talking about <laughs> at all. So don't you don't well, you don't have to worry. If that's it, then we don't. I we was going to let people okay. assume that we're the experts, but thanks for <laughs> making it clear. Um, the the four of us will be hosting here, but then we'll have on on the line with us throughout the night a guest, special guest like Sandy Rios. Excellent. Um, we'll have E. W. Jackson on, okay. Todd Starnes, Rick Green, Alex McFarland. Wow, the list goes on. That's great. Wonderful. Well, you're going to want to mark your calendars for that. Uh, even if you've got something going on, you know, having it playing in, in the kitchen or playing on uh, Alexa on in your in your, in your your um, living room, you're going to want to tune in for that because you will get the inside scoop. I'm glad we're doing that. Now, on to other things that AFO and AFA are doing, we have currently the Orange Letter Campaign going right now. The Orange Letter Campaign, we had a wonderful, wonderful interview with Cedra Sarton, who is heading that up, who is a staff member of AFA that works specifically with EngageMagazine.net. There is where we are hosting the Orange Letter campaign. And the interview that we had here on the core last week, you can find at AFR.net. Go to AFR.net, click on the core, and you're just going back a couple episodes. I believe she was on a week ago today. 
if I, if yes. I remember correctly. Yeah, Cedra. you and I interviewed Cedra. And uh, for those who maybe weren't tuning in on that day and haven't really been up to speed on the Orange Letter campaign, even though Engage has been doing it for a couple years now, uh, tell our audience where when they write letters of encouragement, uh, who does that go to? It goes to Christians all over the world who are serving as missionaries, and they will hand them out to those Christians in that area or that uh, region that they believe could benefit the most from it, depending on how many letters we can accumulate. And we have a week to do that. So it started Monday. It's going to go through Friday. You can write your letter of encouragement by going to engagemagazine.net. That's engagemagazine.net. You can get there. I'm looking at the page now. It obviously gives you two paragraphs explaining how we began the ministry of the Orange Letter Campaign and how it began. But also right below that, it gives you, you can fill out your name. You can fill out the letter of encouragement. You can do it all. And you can submit all this online. You don't have to mail anything in. And we will take those letters. We will transcribe them into the language in which we're sending them to. And we're partnering with Global Outreach, which is a local ministry here in Tupelo that also operates internationally. And so they're right, right, locally, meaning they're here in town. We go down there. We talk to them. We know them. We're very familiar with um, Global Outreach. They're going to take these, and they work with the, They work directly hmm. with the missionaries all over the world. And we're going to hand them the letters, and they're going to distribute those. So I mentioned this last week, Walker, but just to kind of put a bow for, for this segment on the Orange Letter Campaign, and that's that you know, AFA does a wonderful job, and we're known for answering to and responding to and giving a biblical response to the cultural issues that America faces, both um, on the in the educational front, in the government front, in, in entertainment front, in Hollywood, mm-hmm. even in the church, obviously. But in our mission statement, to, to completely fulfill that, it says to give aid to the church here and abroad in the task of fulfilling Great Commission. And this is one week out of the month where we take the time to help fulfill that part of our Great Commission. We're very intentional here at AFA about being a complete, uh, you know, we talk, I often mention, you know, that pastors in the pulpit need to teach the whole counsel of God. Yeah. And that's what we try to do here at AFA is to live out the whole counsel of God. Sometimes where God reveals to us that there's other ministries doing uh, portions of the counsel of God that we're not, and so we partner with them. Yes. They've, they've got better resources. They're, they're geared for it, and so we've partnered with Global Outreach. We're helping collect the letters. We've, we've gathered as many, if I remember correctly, the first year, as many as 6,000 letters that was translated. So yeah. help us reach that goal. Go there, and I mentioned this before too as well, that you can. this is something which is a great opportunity to do with your kids, your grandkids, Maybe you do if it's Wednesday. So if you're going to church tonight and you're looking for a project, or maybe you've already got a schedule or plan for your Sunday or for your Wednesday night class, but you know what? God's speaking to you and you want to reroute that and use this as an opportunity to do with your Wednesday night uh, class there at church. So mm-hmm. it's a great opportunity for uh, that we're offering you and is crazy easy. <laughs> crazy easy. Go to engagemagazine.net. You just scroll down, put it in. It's literally two clicks. So yeah, and 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 what's um, to your point about partnering with other ministries? You know, just this week on just this show, we've uh, talked with uh, Steve Tiber at Eight Days of Hope doing disaster relief work. Um, we've talked about uh, Engage Magazine and the Orange Letter campaign over mm-hmm. at EngageMagazine.net. 
and uh, we've talked about Operation Christmas Child and the shoebox. That's right. Um, so that's what that, those are just three examples just this week that we've uh, worked with other ministries on. Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, let me back up just a little bit for the listening audience and just uh, and paint the picture about the importance of this letter. These letters are going to Christians who are in different parts of the world who do not have it as, for lack of a better word, as good as we have it here in America. Okay, yeah. We have our issues, and, and, there, and there's, a, there's a lot of losses uh, here in America and some of the fronts we're facing. There's a lot of wins, but comparatively speaking— we are very grateful to be in America and have the Constitution that we have. While obviously there's a pull both ways, yeah. it still exists. Well, and and, and the, the key difference though between what we uh, the body of Christ here in America sure. and these uh, missionaries and Christians in other parts of the world is we have we have a plethora of opportunities for fellowship. That's right. Uh, yep. You know, we have congregations, uh, small groups, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Many of these Christians and missionaries are in very isolated regions of the world. Uh, with little access to to fellowship with other believers. That's right. Uh, so oftentimes this is the only encouragement they get for some time. That's exactly right. And, that, and that's a picture I wanted to paint. So thank you, Walker, for doing that. So the importance of you taking literally two, two to five minutes out of your day to help AFA collect as many letters as possible that we can <laughs> hand deliver would help us out a lot. So please go do that for us. You mentioned the you mentioned uh, OCC. Yeah. Um, that's another. Have you already? Have you already gone uh, over I that? I pitched base? it a little bit. Okay, yeah. good. Well, that's another project we want to encourage you to be a part of, and that's again another great opportunity that we're providing for you to engage your children. The yeah. American Family Association. We give many opportunities for you to sit down with your children and to do something evangelistical, but also to um, discipleship and to live out the Great Commission by doing something with your children. Yeah, you know. There's um, uh, changing subjects a little bit, uh, Wesley. There was um, during the COVID mania, that's what I call it, or the COVID hysteria, which some of it's still actually going on. Um, there was a lot of divisiveness and a lot of demonization of anyone who dared to to buck or to not go along with the status quo on masking, mm. on getting the shot, on social distancing. All this was was very very uh, confrontational. I want to play a clip um, uh, and, uh, to set this up. This is a montage of the type of rhetoric that was used against different people who either didn't have the shot or didn't want to wear a mask or didn't want to social distance. Uh, let's listen to clip three. What goes through your mind when you hear a lot of the anti-vaccine rhetoric? At this point, it seems criminal to me. Vaccine-free and impacting the rest of us. It's like drunk drivers. People who are not vaccinated away uh, from those who are, given that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, then the safer we will be. Gyms, hairdressers, but why not supermarkets? Why not public transport? We are looking at a winter of severe illness and death for unvaccinated. Literally, the only people dying are the unvaccinated.
with these vaccines, but we can extinguish this virus once and for all. And for those of you spreading misinformation, shame on you. I don't know how some of you sleep at night who are doing this for a living on television. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right, Wesley. That was the rhetoric used against you and yeah, me and sure. everyone else who yeah. wanted to question and wanted uh, some more supporting evidence for right. the shots and the mask and the social distancing and the antisocial behavior. That's how we were talked to. That's how we were spoken to. Yeah. Uh, many people, uh, at least one writer in in the Atlantic publication, says that we just need to move on, Wesley. We sure. need to forgive them, move on, move past our differences. What you say? I, I agree with Biden that the pandemic is over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, wait. He so changed his mind again. We can I'm agree sorry. on that. I'm sorry. That's changed since the last time I – because he changes his mind quite frequently, but Correct. there there was moments there there was a time there here in the last couple of weeks that he thought it was over, but I guess it's back. I think he realized that there was still a lot of shots that needed to be sold. Yes, they were already purchased. Correct. Okay. Correct. All right. Yeah. yeah, it depends on what week you yeah, talk to Biden whether yeah. the pandemic's still no, going. Okay, I spoke on his behalf. I shouldn't have done that. Here's what I believe. Uh, to that to, to that is that a compilation? Is that what you call it? Yeah, that? that was a montage. Montage. What I believe is that if you got your shots. Good for you, and you should be protected, in quotations, however you believe that. But if I didn't, you're protected from me. If you got your mask on, you're protected from me. So yeah. So if you want, my point is, so it's you, a choice. You're a saying choice. it's a personal yeah. choice. Yeah, I, I think that's what I think. And we don't need to demonize sorry. people who choose different things. Yeah, so I got very serious there for a second, following up some jokes. But, no, seriously, I believe that if you want to get the shot, go for it. Obviously, consult with your doctor and Obviously, you know, consider the history that we have of the shot now. Yes. Because the history of the shot we have now is different than what was audibly said as a fact when it began. Correct. So I've actually talked to a handful of people that got the first two shots. In fact, one of them, I went to the doctor the other day, check up um, lady that was helping me out. She said that she got the first two shots. Well, it all started because I said, I'm glad y'all don't call us mask in here. And she said, no, we don't have to wear, you don't have to wear a mask in here. So I said, well, thank you. She said, well, look, she's like, I got my first two shots, but if I could go back, yeah. knowing what I know now, I wouldn't get it. So we got history here, but if you want to get it, go for it. You want to wear your mask, go for it. But um, it's my body, my choice, Walker. I like that mantra. <laughs> hey, uh, folks, AFA at the core, glad you're joining us. Uh, we'll talk more on this subject, and we'll wrap it up after the break. AFA at the core, be back in a few. Busy to catch your favorite shows on the radio? Have no fear, because the AFR app is here. Download the app to have access to live broadcast, music streaming, as well as each podcast. Whether you're at work, at home, or on the go, it's easy to listen to AFR. The AFR app is available not only for Apple and Android users, but also on Amazon Alexa and Roku. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net. 
What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. The following is not an actor, but a real life story from Trinity Debt Management. The credit card debt happened when my daughter was born. I was using one credit card account to roll over into another credit card account, and it was snowballing. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called Trinity, the representative understood the need based on the situation. There were great people to work with. From the first phone call that I made, they had me on on a track to mitigate the credit card debt. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy to manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. A Moment of Truth with Gary Bryden of the Association of Independent Methodists. A missionary friend's son was on a short-term mission trip with some other teens. They were trying to talk to some people who were scavenging at a garbage heap. They spotted a donkey that had stepped into a paint can and it was stuck on one of its back feet. The teens tried to help the donkey several times, but frightened, it always ran away. They left it alone and went to another area in the same heap. And then they spotted the donkey again, but this time it was coming to them. Instead of running, it let them help it. Like that donkey, if we quit running from our Savior, we can find the help and deliverance that we need. The Association of Independent Methodists, like-minded congregations doing together what can't be done separately. Visit aim2020.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio Network. And just to wrap up that topic from last segment about the Atlantic um, piece, uh, saying that we just need to move on from the pandemic, we need to forgive each other for the wrongs that were done. Well, you know, in, in order to do that, we've got to do th- two things. We have to admit we were wrong, and we have to say that this will never happen again. We have to admit that we were wrong, ask for forgiveness, and commit to these atrocious acts uh, to never happen again. And there is some admitting we were wrong going on, but there is no plausible or tangible solutions being put forth to ensure that this insanity does not happen again. What am I talking about? I'm talking about children being kicked out of restaurants in New York City because they don't have the shot. And we've got, we've got multiple cases of that happening or happened in the past. 
We've got uh, funerals that could not be held in the name of COVID. So families were not able to say goodbye to their loved ones. We've got thousands of examples of that, if not millions. We have uh, uh, churches that were told, no, y'all can't meet. Church is dangerous. COVID spreads more rapidly in churches. That's what we were told. Uh, we had we had uh, family members that were not able to be at the deathbed of their loved ones. There were no visitation policy. We nobody can visit. Only the nurses and the doctors and the hospital staff can visit. No family members can visit because you have COVID more than others. That was that was the narrative, although not backed up by science. And so there, I could I could go on for another hour on the damage that was done, the wrongs that were committed. We've got to find a way that this doesn't happen again, and we've got to commit to it. Then we can move on, but we will never forget. Moving on doesn't mean you forget. So we'll we'll never forget the damage that was done, and we shouldn't forget because it was atrocious. And there's still some insanity going on today. The Biden administration still firing military members for not getting the shot. So the damage must be stopped before we can move on, and we must ensure that this stuff never happens again. Moving on to our next guest that we have on with us, uh, we have uh, Sam uh, Adolfson with the uh, Foundation for Government Accountability. He serves as a policy director there. Uh, Sam is on with us to talk about some of the Biden administration policies on Medicaid. Hey, uh, Sam, welcome to the court. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Sam, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about the work of FGA, or Foundation for Government Accountability, and then we'll jump into the Biden Medicaid expansion plans. Yeah, absolutely. So the Foundation for Government Accountability, we're a nonprofit public policy think tank, and we've been around about a decade. And we're, we're based in uh, the land of the free in Florida, but we work in about 35 states and in, in Washington, D.C., and we really focus in on issues like welfare and health care. Uh, we have worked a lot the past couple of years on elections. And uh, our, our bottom line is really that America was built on work, not on government handouts. Mm. And we need to get people off the sidelines, back to work, so they can uh, be self-sufficient for them and their families and, and not have government um, providing everything for them, which ends up being a a trap, a dependency trap. So that's kind of what we're all about at the FGA. Yeah, and to your point, Sam, God created us as working beings from the very beginning. So we're created, we're designed to work. So work is a good thing, to your point, and we all need to embrace uh, the work concept and the work mentality uh, for the betterment of ourselves, our families, and our neighbors well, uh, Sam, tell us a little bit about this Medicaid expansion. I mean, the Biden administration, it's like they, they're moving at breakneck speed on expanding federal government, expanding federal welfare programs. What's the latest with this Medicaid expansion? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this goes back to, to what you've been talking about here today with, with uh, COVID and the pandemic. And just like everything else, the Biden administration has used the pandemic to further their policy goals that they've had all along. So 
So they've said, hey, uh, here's an opportunity to do what we wanted. So they've, they've taken Medicaid, which is the nation's biggest welfare program, and they've hooked it to the public health emergency that they continue uh, to, to reinstate, even as the president is saying the pandemic is over. And so here's what that's done. That has locked in everyone who's getting Medicaid. No state in the country can remove anyone from Medicaid, and they haven't been able to since March 2020. So right now, we have uh, tens of millions of people on a program that was meant for the truly needy, for uh, and elderly and and uh, poor kids. And we have tens of millions of people on that program right now who aren't actually eligible. So that's the first problem. And now they're really, uh, with a new proposed rule on how states have to do eligibility checks or basically not do them, they're about to make it even worse. Let me ask you this, Sam. This sounds like this sounds like Obamacare 2.0 or Obamacare on steroids. I mean, this is tremendously expansive. Do you think that this will hold up to legal challenge? Well, you make a great point. And, of course, Biden was around when Medicaid was first expanded to able-bodied adults. Uh, right. It was under Obama, under Obamacare. And as a result, that program is a complete mess. So we almost uh, we're about to hit 100 million people on Medicaid. Wow. A hundred. That's a third of the nation. The that's, a, that's nearly a third that's of right. the nation. That's right. And it's all because of these expansions, uh, starting with Obamacare and since then to able bodied adults. The program hasn't grown dramatically in the area it was meant for, again, the, the truly needy, uh, the elderly and the disabled. It's grown specifically to tens of millions of able-bodied adults who, who can and should be working. And so right now, states are spending one out of every three dollars on Medicaid. And so it's a huge issue. I, I kind of think of it like this, you know, if if Medicaid were a person, they'd be drowning. Mm. And now the Biden administration, their their uh, centers for Medicare and Medicaid services, they're proposing this new rule that would make things a, a lot worse. It'd basically be like throwing that poor drowning person a cement block to help them out. Mm. You know, Sam, this is um, this is concerning for multiple reasons, but practically speaking, from a consumer standpoint, from a taxpayer standpoint, our healthcare system around the nation, generally speaking, is really in shambles. I mean, America's known as like the top healthcare nation in the world, so on and so forth, and you know, having the most advanced healthcare, and we do to some in, to in, in some to some extent. But I'm talking like like wait times in emergency rooms. I mean, it's a disaster. I, I just heard a, a, of an elderly person with pneumonia waiting six hours in the emergency room. And uh, there's no way, Sam, that this Medicaid expansion is going to make things any better. As a matter of fact, it's going to make things worse because of the uh, the eligibility and the, the uh, more taxpayers being on Medicaid 
Uh, isn't this going to have an effect on the quality of our healthcare? Oh, absolutely. Right off the top, this new proposed rule they have, the stated goal is to maximize enrollment. That's directly from the introduction to their regulation. They want to maximize enrollment. And, and it's not, you know, it's not healthcare. It's a government program. It's, it's welfare. And they also admit in the rule, the Biden administration, that it will add $100 billion in new costs. And almost half of that is state costs. And so when you think about the, the health care system, this is just more uh, government money flooding directly into a welfare program that underpays hospitals, that does not provide a good quality of care. Uh, many providers won't see Medicaid patients because of the, the poor performance in the program, the, the, the payment rates and different problems. And so there, there's this massive shift that they're uh, trying to continue of moving people out of out of jobs, out of private health care and and port them all over to welfare. And they want Medicaid for all in the country. And that's where this rule is uh, taking us. Hmm. Well, uh, Sam, we'll, we'll continue to keep an eye on this. Um, yeah, absolutely crazy. And, you know, uh, another part of the whole and this is not just in regards to Medicaid or the whole health care discussion, but really with much of government, especially what's not clearly, you know, authorized by the Constitution as far as different agencies and, and scopes of work for the government, um, the government has turned into this big, like, quasi-private sector entity with unlimited money supply. I mean, we've got health insurance companies out there that this is what they do, is they, like, provide health insurance to people who need it. Uh, but, Sam, this this is, this is going to cut into... Uh, the health care, the health insurance industry, because this is like the government's competing with the private sector here. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're totally competing with the private sector, including all those businesses out there who are trying to hire workers. Mm. And you think about why does why does someone go to work along with what you mentioned, right, that we're, we're designed and created to be productive? Um, you go to work for uh, for pay and part of that pay is is uh, for healthcare. Part of that pay is for uh, food and part of that pay is for uh, to provide a home for your family. Well, what is the Biden administration doing? They're, they're expanding food stamps. They're, ex they're, they banned uh, um, evictions. <laughs> they gave rent, rent assistance and they're expanding Medicaid. So they want to become uh, the entity that cares for you and gives you what you need, sends it straight to your mailbox. They don't want you to go to work. And that's why we see workforce participation at an all-time low um, in, in recent decades. And that's why we have those problems that we have across the country. So this rule just makes it worse. We're, uh, we're very hopeful that a successful legal challenge could be mounted. We know a lot of states are really upset about yet another welfare expansion being forced upon them. And so hopefully we can make some headway in pushing back against uh, the, the Medicaid madness here from Biden. Yeah, hopefully so. And we'll continue to follow it. Uh, we're going to uh, provide a link to the federal, um, uh, federal database or the federal comment section on this rule so that uh, our audience can uh, comment on it. 
Hey, Sam, thanks for, so much for coming on and providing some insight on this topic. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. That's um, um, Federal or uh, Foundation for Government Accountability. And um, the uh, name of the gentleman there is, I've got too many windows open on my computer. Uh, Sam is his first name, uh, but his last name is Adolfson. Uh, A-D-O-L-P-H-S-E-N, Sam Adelson, and he's a policy director over at FGA, uh, providing some insight uh, there for the Medicaid, uh, on the Biden's Medicaid expansion plan and the disaster that that will be uh, should that rule be finalized. Well, I did want to mention one disclaimer. You know, I mentioned earlier about how you can take supplemental information in the ballot box with you or in the ballot booth with you. Uh, when you vote, just to make sure you're an informed voter. Well, as I mentioned in the first segment, the the, the regulations on this vary probably per state and uh, per municipality, depending on what kind of election rules and regulations that each uh, municipality and county has. So we got an email from a listener who lives in Texas, a certain part of Texas, and they said that you cannot have your cellular device on in the voting room. Uh, but you can bring paper in with you with information on it. So once again, uh, the laws and regulations on what can go into the voting booth vary. Uh, but one thing that that you can do is you can bring supporting information with you to vote. Uh, you can bring a sheet of paper with uh, research or with candidates listed on it uh, in there uh, to vote with you. So just uh, be aware of uh, local laws. And that has to do with voting and uh, going the speed limit. (laughs) The average American commits three felonies a day. Did you know that? That's not because you're bad, folks. That's because we got way too many laws on the books. Way too many laws on the books. I like Trump's plan. For every one law we pass, we got to repeal three. That's a good, good plan. Maybe for every one, we repeal five or ten. AFA at the core. Walker Wildman, glad to be with you today. We'll chat with you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.